0: Well, hello to all of you out there. Welcome to the Equip podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames. This is a podcast that we've designed to equip you to live gospel-fueled and faithful lives in the places that Jesus has called you. And today, I want to talk to you about money. Specifically, I want to talk to you about some timeless principles from the word of God that can anchor you in crazy economic times that we are facing. Today, as I'm recording this podcast, it is April the 2nd, and I just glanced at the New York Times headline, and it was about the job market. In the past two weeks, 10 million jobs in America have evaporated. And that means the coronavirus, in this moment, there is an imminent and powerful health crisis. But there is also absolutely going to be some degree of financial crisis that follows, the extent of which we don't entirely know. And I am not a macro economist. I cannot make those sort of predictions. But here's what I absolutely know. More than ever in these sort of crisis moments, the timeless truths of God's word matter. In particular, what I want to do on our time together today in this podcast is share with you four biblical principles about how you personally handle your money that I know have guided my life for the past 20 years and honestly, now more than ever need to guard and guide our lives in how we deal with money right now. And then second, once we get some of those timeless principles, I just want to offer a couple of timely thoughts about what we should be doing as Christians with our money in this coronavirus crisis moment. So, First off, let's go timeless principles. I'm going to give you four of them. All of them are coming from the book of Proverbs. Here's the first principle. Principle one is what you do with your money first. Principle one is this. Give first. Generosity first. Give first. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 say this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits. Give first. Give first. Not get money from me first, not put money on my bank account first. The first check I write is an investment in the kingdom of God. And what I'm telling you is in a time of crisis, don't let the crisis change your kingdom priority. Give first as an eternal investment. Give to the local church. Continue to be faithful as you give. Give particularly in this moment to the needs of your local community. Open your eyes up to the needs of people you know, to our food bank in town, Micah, right now. In Ames, Iowa, Micah does not need you to go to the store, buy all the stuff off the shelf and drop it by. They need you to give cash donations so they can get the resources they need to people who are going to be impacted in our community. So give to Micah. Look for needs. I I guarantee you this at the end of this crisis, you will regret if you buy frivolous things to compensate for your anxiety by buying junk online. You will not regret giving a dime. You will never regret a dime you've given. You will regret silliness that you purchase. So give first. And if there is only one principle today that would actually anchor your soul and help you forward, it would be this give. You see, where your treasure is. That's where your heart is going to be. And so if you want your, your heart to move into resting in the values of the kingdom of God in an anxious moment, what you need to do is not hoard your money, but give your money. That will set you free in this moment. So give first. Here's second principle. Save second. Give first. Save second. Proverbs thirteen eleven says, wealth hastily gained will dwindle but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So if the first check you write is to God, the second check you write is to you. Save second. Every time you get income in, my recommendation would be you first give away some, and then second, you save some. And in particular, in this moment, what I want to highlight is the principle of emergency savings. Emergency savings Um, Most financial advisors will say, first, set a goal. If you don't have it, set a goal to make sure you have a minimum of $1,000 saved away for an emergency. But particularly right now, what we're figuring out is this financial crisis is hitting us because we have so little margin as Americans. We don't have the margin to miss a paycheck because we have no money saved back. And so right now, what I want to encourage you toward is this. Many of you will be getting a stimulus check you absolutely need to be saving a portion of that back. We'll talk about how spending needs to happen with that in just a second. But particularly, I want you to think, if I don't have $1,000 in an emergency fund, that is the most important thing I should be investing in right now. Getting $1,000 into an emergency fund. And once I have that, I need to take a look honestly at what are my total monthly expenses. Not my monthly paycheck what are my core, absolute essential monthly expenses? And do I have three months worth of those saved back? Set those two things as a goal. That's not hoarding, that's saving. Hoarding is saving in an extravagant way for expenses you will never have. Saving is just wisdom. So give first, save second. Principle number three, live on what is left over with contentment. Live on the rest. Live on the rest. Proverbs 13, 25 says, The righteous has more than enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked is always wanting. It suffers want. What that means is God supplies everything we need. But actually, often, the reason we want is because we think we need things we don't actually need. Living on the rest has to do with joyfully and with contentment, seeing everything God has given and being grateful for it. Living on the rest involves two behaviors. First, this is this is this should go without saying. The first behavior is this. You cannot spend money you don't have. I'm, I'm going to say that revelation again. You should not be spending money you don't have. Don't spend more than you make live on less than you make live on what is left over. Once you have written that first check to God and that first, that next check to yourself and savings, whatever is left over is what you have to live on. So don't spend more money than you have. And second, how do you do that? The second principle, second behavior is you have to learn to control your appetites by cultivating contentment. You don't control your appetite by just sitting there going, woe is me. I hate my life. I don't have enough. No, you cultivate contentment by looking at everything God has given and saying, oh, God, you have supplied this. Gratitude is what leads to contentment. So third principle, live on what's left over. So again, to review them, give first, save second, live on what is left over. And principle number four, do not go into bad debt. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave of the lender. The rich rules over the poor. The borrower is indebted, a slave to the person who has lent it. That doesn't mean that all debt is always sinful, okay? That, that is, debt is not explicitly called sin in the Bible. What I do think we can say is much of the debt that we go into in America, while it's not sinful, it's certainly unwise, Okay. What is, what is good debt? Okay, well, generally speaking, good debt is a debt on something that appreciates or gains in value generally. Most of the time, a home mortgage or like an educational loan is generally seen as a pretty good debt. But you need to be warned, you can kill yourself with too much of a good thing. If you are $100,000 in education debt, for a health and human services degree where you're going to get a job where you don't make anything, that's a bad debt. That's a bad debt. You can get into a home mortgage where you become house rich and everything else poor. You've overextended yourself. That would be a bad debt. But in general, we need to say also common sense means that a bad debt is any depreciating debt that you have. It would be a loan on a car that the instant you drive it off the lot, it goes down in value. Debt that you take out to get furniture, uh, credit cards with huge monthly fees and monthly charges. Those are almost always bad debt because those are almost always me spending money I don't have to impress people I shouldn't care about. So... Don't get into those sorts of debts. So I'm going to review all four of these. Four timeless principles from God's word that absolutely we need to live by in the realm of money. Give first, save second, live on what is left over, and do not go into bad debt give first, save second, live on what's left over, don't go into bad debt. Those four timely principles have honestly guided my life since I was 17 years old and I first heard them taught to me. I wish I could tell you who taught me those principles. I don't know. I don't remember who taught me. So it was probably C.S. Lewis. That's the guy I say taught me everything if I can't figure out somebody. It's C.S. Lewis or John Piper, Tim Keller, Andy Stanley. Somebody made this up. I didn't. I'm just passing it along. But I absolutely think, that that sort of wisdom never goes out of style and that sort of wisdom is unbelievably important in the middle of a financial crisis. You see, in the crisis, often what you need is not a new set of innovation to figure your way forward. You need to lean back into tried and true principles of wisdom that have sustained people in the past. You need to ask what has been proven over time Give first, save second, don't get into bad debt, live on what you have left over. Now, with those eternal, like just unchanging principles of wisdom from Proverbs, I want to just give you four kind of timely thoughts in this coronavirus financial moment. Here's my first principle. I want you to think about saving, not hoarding. Saving, not hoarding. Hoarding is savings driven by anxiety about a future that is unknown. Hoarding is not just putting something back for a rainy day. Hoarding is acting like I don't have a father in heaven who oversees the rain. Hoarding is driven by anxiety and hoarding is about saving far more back than I would ever need. And in this time of crisis, anxiety will tempt you to put more into saving than you actually need to save. So, so the best thing I can tell you is in your saving, I want you to ask this question is wisdom motivating me or is fear motivating me? What's moving my heart wisdom or fear? So save don't hoard second principle You need to see that right now, spending is a way to love your neighbor. Spending money can be an act of love. So I talked about stimulus checks earlier. And if you don't have an emergency savings fund, you need to put a significant amount of that stimulus check into our first two principles. You need to give first. You need to save second. But if you have funded savings You should honestly be thinking with that stimulus check a portion of this I should spend in a way that loves my neighbor. When you hire a laborer to do work on a deck at your house, that is an act of love because God is providing for that man or that woman's family through your hiring of their skill set. When you go to your local coffee shop, you know. Go to Berge's. Those people are awesome. And go and buy a cup of coffee through the drive-thru. And, you know, while you're at it, buy a $20 or $100 gift card and put some money into a local business owned by local people as a way to love your neighbor. You see, spending, your spending is the economic means by which God is dispensing cash to the people who need it in this world. And so just hoarding all of your money is actually a way that protects you, but doesn't protect your neighbor. It's only giving thought to yourself and your needs. So what I want you to do is think strategically about your spending. Ask yourself this question, what's a way in how we spend that we could love someone else today? What's a local business or a local restaurant that actually we could cook this meal, but if we did this, this would be a blessing to this person. Think about those things. Third kind of thing to think about in this coronavirus crisis is this. Now more than ever, the daily habit of gratitude is deeply important. A daily habit of gratitude. Instead of thinking, oh no, what could happen tomorrow? Take a look around and just say, God, you have given me this. All of us have things we can be grateful for right now. All of us have things we can be grateful for right now. They may be very small things. Like I was just thinking, I have this this pen that I just really like. It is a pilot, better retractable, fine point pen. And I'm thinking, have I ever actually consciously thanked God for this pen? That It feels so trivial, right? But what, how, how long would it take you in the room you're sitting in right now if you just scanned from left to right to consciously thank God for every item you see? Have you ever done that? I, that's not a habit that I have. But right now in times of crisis where we feel loss, we need to combat that with a gratitude for what we do have presently. And not just stuff, not just stuff. As I scan left to right in my field of vision, you know what I see that I can, I'm grateful for that no price tag in the world can be? I see pictures of my kids. I see photos of my wife. What price tag do you put on that? So you can be overwhelmed with anxiety of the crisis, or you can be conscious of the provision of God and cultivate gratitude. So daily, daily cultivate gratitude. Sit down for two minutes and thank God out loud for what he has given. Final thought for you in this moment is this. I want you to think long term. This is a crisis moment. And it's probably not just going to be a little blizzard of a moment. It's not going to just be a little blip here. It's not just going to be a little hump that we just jump back into normal life. Looking at the economic data right now, it is indicating we're in for a pretty Uh, hard winter. And that means we need to have a realistic, not just like day by day perspective, but we need to think long term. I want you to think 10 years out from now. I want you to think 20 years out from now. It's interesting. They've done uh, studies on the levels of gratitude and resilience on people who lived through the Great Depression. And what's remarkable is that people who live through the Great Depression, they know that you can live through way more suffering than you think you can. And so as such, they tend to be less up and down in the moment-by-moment changes because they know they live through far worse. I want you to think long-term. God is cultivating in this moment of pain endurance in you. He's doing something good, but I want you to think even more long term—not just ten years or twenty years or thirty years from now. I want you to think a hundred million years from now, a hundred million actual years from now. Listen to the final piece of wisdom from Proverbs, Proverbs eleven twenty-eight: Whoever trust is, trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. That's not just true in this life; that's true eternally. You want to put your hope in your bank account. That is a fine way to provide for your daily needs, but that is a bad Savior, Lord, and King of your life. And right now, right now, the most important piece of financial wisdom I can give you is this. No one will take their bank account with them into eternity. It's odd. You never see a U-Haul attached to a hearse. Because in the final moments, what you realize is that actually everything that I've invested in the life to come is the only thing that actually has the power to stay beyond this life. Everything I've invested in God's kingdom. So can I get you to think kingdom-minded, eternal perspective sort of long-term? This may be a moment where your 401k goes down, but where you can be truly rich toward God by being generous toward others. You can store up life in the life to come. So, in uncertain times, turn back to some timeless wisdom. Give first. Save second. Live on what is left over. Do not get into bad debt. And in these timely moments of pain and crisis, don't forget, it's not a time to hoard. It's a time to be wise and save. It's also a time to learn how to spend as an act of love for our neighbor. It's a time to gratitude cultivate, to cultivate daily habits of gratitude and to think long-term, a hundred million years type long-term about how to have an eternal perspective on our money. I'm praying that God will meet every, every need that we have through Christ. He has promised that. Rely on him and his promises and let his wisdom guide you in trying times. Hope to see you back on the Equip podcast next time as we continue to just look for timely wisdom to guide us to live lives of flourishing for Christ. God bless all you.